Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Talking about the core values, if you don't have one of these, raise your hand and uh, Charlie, would you grab a stack of those? Get some help and we'll pass these out to anybody that would uh, like one as a bookmark. Just says Live Connect. Uh, grow and go. It has the scripture for each one of those. And then uh, just something to put on your refrigerator, put in your Bible to remember. Uh, if you don't have a vision, people perish. We have a clear vision. Every time you come into this church, that's what you see on the wall. It's what we're about. And so we're talking about growing today. The scripture comes from Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and grow. Learn. Learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. Uh, for me, believe it or not, many, many years ago, decades ago, before I ever went to my, uh, my undergraduate Bible school, this was the verse of scripture that the Lord spoke to me, which drove me to Bible school. I said you know, to the pastor, I, I like church, I like Sunday school, but you know, I think God's got something more for me. And I was reading... And then the Lord just made this verse pop off of the page because it talks about growing and learning. And this should be a lifelong journey for us, right? And, uh, and it's important because of these values. If a value is growing, if we have a value, a core value of growing, as we have discussed previously, I'm not going to preach the other sermons, then that produces a behavior. Remember the three circles? When I have a core value that I love my wife, or I have a core value that Jesus first, when I have a core value that Whatever that is, that will dictate my behavior. And then regardless of whatever happens around me, I can still be at peace in my soul because I'm being true to my core values. So if the, if the, if the community goes crazy, if the, the government goes crazy, if my wife goes crazy, no, not too bad, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But if it all goes sideways because my behavior is congruent with my core value, I can still be at peace because my behavior is exemplary based on the fact that I have these core values. Now, that, that is on an individual level, individual level. Your core values dictate your behavior, which then create an environment in your home. At your job, your boss has some core values. The company has some core values. Whoever you work for has some core values. They should somewhere, the things that dictate who they are and what they do, because then it will provide for you an environment based on those core values. Of course, we all, we all know the environment where they write down the core values, and then they, that's not the kind of environment you find yourself in, right? There's disharmony there. It's incongruent lifestyle at the end. It's just all a bunch of hypocrisy. It all comes down to what do you believe in? Us as believers, where do we find our core values? The word of God. The word of God is the source for all of our core values. Now, it works for the church. That's what we're talking about, but it also works for you individually. Your biblical core values, which I pray come from the word of God, will lead you to a behavior. Now, why is this all important for us? It's because we want a culture. And what culture do we want? We want a culture, a culture of honor, a place of real, relevant relationship that you can keep, come bring your brokenness, expose your brokenness to a bunch of other broken people, and then we don't have a bunch of hypocrites going, oh, they're so ugly, they're so broken, I can't believe what they did. That, that's a church we've all been to that's zero fun, zero fun, right? 
because that's hypocrisy. They're having a culture and exemplifying behaviors, which then go to the heart of core value. And the core value for us is the word of God, which is we're all broken. We're all worms. We're all wretches, except for the grace of God. And so to whom much has been forgiven, too much has been given, too much, has, too much grace has been poured out on you, then how much more grace should you give to others? Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 So we got to grow. Say grow. So we, d- we dive into this live, connect, grow. And if you do any kind of study on growing, you can find books on how to grow your business, how to grow your net wealth, how to grow your family, how to grow trees and bushes and plants and other special plants, which I found online, how to grow followers on social media. You can pay people to help you grow followers, how to grow sales, how to grow an indoor garden, how to grow the economy, blah, 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 blah. But growth is good. Why is growth good? Because it indicates life. If things are growing, it indicates life. Well, not really, Pastor. I heard that when you die, your fingernails still grow. Isn't that gross? It's a morbid thought. But when I had that thought, I wondered if it was true. And it's not true. I thought it was true. It's just an urban legend. You know why? I had to go to the, I had to go to the Academy of Mortuary Science and do some digging. Digging. And here's, here's what they say. Here's what they say. It's because your body becomes dehydrated and your skin retracts that it makes you think your fingernails have grown. Not that anyone cares, but I thought it was an interesting little fact. So when you die, everything stops growing, including your fingernails. That was the point. What else happens when you die besides you stop growing? Three other things primarily. Number one, your body cools down. Rigor mortis sets in. And what's really kind of creepy is your eyes may remain open even after you die. You ever seen that on TV, you know, where they, like in Lancho Libre, where they put the little dollar over the guy's eyes. I don't watch a lot of movies. That's the only movie reference you ever get from me is because I've seen Nacho Libre 10 times. That's sorry. That's what I do. So the natural world always gives us spiritual lessons, right? The heavens declare his glory. So when you see things in the natural, you go, Lord, show me something spiritual through that. And so I asked the Lord, when you stop growing, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, these, these indicators of death will stop growing. We'll come back to that in a minute. But the other three that I mentioned, which are your eyes may be open, but you're really not seen. Rigor mortis sets in, you become stiff-necked. And when you cool down, the fire of the Holy Spirit isn't there anymore. Interesting that when you die, your eyes can still be open. In Luke chapter 24, verse 31, it says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized. This is, this is them walking on the road to Emmaus. Remember this? They were standing, having a conversation with Jesus. So obviously their eyes were open. But in the scripture, it says, then their eyes were opened and they saw. So you can actually visually see something without actually seeing it. You all talk, y'all know, follow me. So when you die spiritually, you still can see but you're not really seeing. What aren't you seeing? You aren't seeing the things in the spirit room. Everything about you is carnality. Everything about you is in the natural. Rather than saying, God, this thing is happening in the natural realm. Teach me, show me, what do I need to know what's going on in the spirit realm? You know what that is? That's an indicator of life. If you just take the the hand of cards that 
whoever has dealt, you know, it is what it is. Have we all, oh my God. It is what it is. Well, no, it isn't what it is. It's something else. God is still speaking. God's still revealing himself. If you have eyes to see, then rigor mortis steps in. Rigor mortis means stubborn, stiff-necked, sedentary, not easily led. Stephen, in Acts 7.51, he called the Jews that day, you stiff-necked people. He's saying, you got rigor mortis. You're as stubborn as a mule. You, you know, your favorite hymn is, we shall, we shall, we shall not be moved. And you complain about all those people raising their hands and, and, and shouting and dancing. Oh, man, that's just, that's just so in the flesh. Well, I'm gonna, let me show you another great picture of somebody being in the flesh. Yeah. Right? Rigor mortis. You stop. It's, listen, all of these are sermons. I'm not preaching each of these sermons. I will get to my sermon in just a minute, these are all the fun little things I discovered along the way. You stop seeing, even though your eyes may be open, and stiff-neckedness, rigor mortis sets in when you stop growing. Stiff neck. And then you cool down. In other words, you're no longer on fire for Jesus. Matthew 11, excuse me, 311 says, Jesus speaking, I baptize you with water, for, or, or uh, John says, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And what? Fire. Remember when you first got saved and your car didn't start? You laid hands on your car. Oh, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus, this car's got to start today, Lord Jesus. Please, Lord Jesus. Right? You're praying for everything. That's why I like having brand new believers pray for me. They got faith a mountain high, but what happens is, cool down, cool down. Somebody gets saved, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, some fire, and they're on fire for God, and then a bunch of seasoned saints stand back and oh, don't worry, he'll cool down. What? What? Now, I want to throw gas on those people, and if that, does not, if that doesn't make you comfortable, well, then too bad, you need to find a dead church. Right? I mean, it was John Wesley that says, he said, I, 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 I think it was John Wesley, he said, you know, if you want revival, just set yourself on fire. The world will come and watch you burn. Right? Boom, get on fire. Praise the Lord. Don't quench the spirit. First Thessalonians 5.19, do not put out the spirit's fire. That would be a great tattoo across my back. I don't have any tattoos, but that would be a good one. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. And, you know, there's a lot of things that weren't good about cemetery, I mean seminary, when I was there, uh, things that I learned and things that I was instructed. There was some good stuff there and some not-so-good stuff there. And one of the wisest things an instructor ever told me was, he said, because he said, I was preparing to pastor, he said, Eric, don't worry about the wildfire. If you get somebody that's on fire in church, don't worry about the wildfire there's always enough wet blankets around to put it out. He says, you find somebody that's on fire, you just throw on the oil. You throw on the gas. Watch them burn. I mean, 
I mean, what would it be like if the 12 apostles were in this room today? So those are three sermons I'm not preaching today. Um, Rigor mortis, being blind, and uh, fire. You you cool down. The one I'm going to go with is that you stop growing. Signs that death is upon you, besides those other three, is number one, you stop growing. So I'm not talking about growth in size, right? Somebody is five foot two, they're not going to get taller than five foot two. I don't care how much longer. <laughs> He's five, two, five, seven, six, two. There is a limit to human height. At some point, you stop physically growing. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about something else. Like you read, the, you read a book, you can study, you go travel, you learn some skills like camping or cooking. You learn about electronics. You start a new sport. You start some hobbies. All to grow. Become smarter, and hopefully wiser. So the same is true in the spirit realm. If that's what we do in the natural, what's the spiritual application for growing? Here's our text. Ephesians 4, beginning verse 14. This is, if you don't get anything, this is a scripture you should really pay attention to. Then we will no longer be infants drinking milk, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men, in their deceitful schemings. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things say grow up. Grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So if you've been on the internet at all, you understand this phrase, life hacks. You know what a life hack is? Something you've discovered that makes your life easier. And so you get online, you share it. Oh, I know my shower head's broken. So I took this Mountain Dew bottle and I poked holes in it and I shoved it over the top of my... my Am I the only one that sees that crazy stuff? Or what? I, I, you know, Al, the algorithms of Facebook have figured me out. I like weird stuff like that. And so there's these, these things. If you just like Google life hacks, you find all this really interesting stuff you didn't know. Um, and so I, I want to I piggyback on the idea of life hacks. And I want to call these growth hacks. All right? So we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to present to you a few growth hacks so that if you s- sense in the spirit you're either dead or you're dying... Or maybe you're already on fire. These growth hacks might prove helpful to you. Can I get an amen? All right, so here we go. Four growth hacks. I'm going to give them to you all at once first for you avid note takers. Because I know, Pastor, you come up to me after, Pastor, what what was number three? The third one. Number three. I said, so I'm going to give them to you now, then we're just going to rehearse them, all right? So they start with, with four great words. Number one, develop a healthy and steady diet of God's word. Number two, start doing the word. Number three, allow the word of God to correct you. And four, permit trusted people to speak into your life. Are you ready? Say yes. All right, here we go. Number one, develop a healthy and steady diet of the word. Are you reading the word? If you're not, it's an indicator that you're dead. Or you're headed that way pretty darn quick. So you got to do that. Read the word, not just the Bible. How about some books? How about some good Christian books? Finished one this week, starting at one uh, yesterday. Reading, I, I listen to sermons on podcasts. I listen to probably, I don't know, three to five sermons a week. If all you hear about the word of God is this 30 minute little segment that we have here together, 
Let me tell you, you're not going to be super strong if you only eat for 30 minutes a week. You're going to get weak. You're going to get tired quickly. Preachers have some frustrations, and one of the biggest ones is found in 1 Corinthians 3. In verse number two, it says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you still are not ready. That's the problem with pastors, with preachers. Because some of you here, brand new, just gave your life to Jesus last week or this morning. And you're like, man, I'm so ravenously hungry. I cannot give you surf and turf. I can't give you a nice, I was going to say sirloin, but that's so beneath us. A nice prime rib. I like the fat. My wife likes the filet. She likes the no fat. I'm pro fat, as you can tell. <laughs> so so you, want, you want to eat, but I can't give you that because it, it, it'll just choke you. You can't give a newborn a piece of steak, right? So you have to grow up. But if people are never challenged to grow up, then the pastor always has to bring the bottle to you. And then the, then the, then the church becomes very vanilla, I mean, very bland. <laughs> right? We want to be, carna- be carnivores, right? We want to be T-Rexes, not some of them grass-eating dinosaurs. We're, we want to be T-Rex, right? We got fangs to eat the meat of God. We want to understand the truth, not just, oh, you ought to give your life to Jesus. You ought to repent of your sin. Paul goes on later in the Bible. Do I have to tell you again? See, that's the frustration of leading a congregation because honestly, on a Sunday morning, I, <laughs> can I have a clock on that, on that thing? I need a clock on that thing. That would be helpful because I, because I know I will go over if I don't have a clock. Thank you. Um, what? There's no clock on there. My watch is dead, if you're asking. And I was always instructed in my very first public speaking class, never look at your watch while you're speaking. Because you know what happens? Everybody else looks at their watch. Watch, watch this. I wonder what time it is. You all want to look right now, don't you? Right? So, thank you very much. There's no clock up there still, so. Um, Faith, all right, so we're, oh, oh yeah, sorry. Feeding milk. You got to get a steady diet. But after you have enough milk, uh, you got to graduate to something. You got to stretch your, your appetite. You got to come to a place that, okay, I got the basics. I love Jesus. I've been water baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost fire. I'm ready to do this. And then you got to go, I want to learn. My problem here on a Sunday morning is I have to use a shotgun. Right? I'm not using a rifle up here, ladies and gentlemen. This is a shotgun. Everything I plan to say is carefully crafted so that everyone gets something to eat or drink. It's with intentionality. It's not haphazard. So we have a little bit of milk here, a little bit of milk there, a little bit of meat there, a little bit of blah, 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 blah. But if you're a true meat eater, what I give you on Sunday morning should never suffice for you. Not if you're a true meat eater. So faith comes by hearing, right? Say right. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ tell you a quick story, then we'll move on to point number two. I need somebody's watch because they're not putting the clock back there for me. Thank you, Shad. It's black, sir. There's nothing. Oh, I got to push the button or something? Oh, now there's a passcode I got to have to give you. 
All right, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. I'll just, I'll, I'll take my iPad off of, don't text me, because I put my iPad on, on, oh, there we go, on airplane mode. <laughs> on airplane mode. All right, H- have you all been distracted enough here now for a second? All right, we're going to do the other three points here real quick, but I want to tell you a story. The story is about a, a very wealthy man and a very poor man. And the wealthy man lived in a mansion, huge mansion, long driveway up to the front. The poor man, the beggar, came to the front of the house of the uh, very wealthy man. He knocked on the door. He said, may I, please, uh, may I please have something to eat? And the wealthy man said, well, everything I've gotten I've had to work for, so you need to work for me in order to get something to eat. He says, go around the back to the garage. You'll find a bucket of paint. Go, I want you to go paint my porch. And when you get done, come back. And then I'll have the cook make you a meal. So the man went away, said, great, very fine. The wealthy man went back inside, sat down. Not even an hour went by. And the poor man knocked on the front door again. He says, I'm all done. He goes, you can't be done pa- painting the back porch already. He goes, yeah, I- I'm-, I'm totally done. And, and I, th- I think you... You really don't understand the value of cars too well because that's not a porch back there. That's a BMW. So my point is faith comes by hearing. You should read those other books and all that other kind of stuff. But you got to make sure you hear the right things. Now, by that, I mean, in 2 Timothy 4, 3, it says, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. I think that's upon us. Instead, they will suit to their own desires, and they will gather around themselves a great number of teachers and television shows that say whatever their itching ears would like them to say. I mean, what, what sane person would knowingly swallow poison or give it to their child? False doctrine is poison to the soul. So you got to guard what you eat. I said, number one, have a steady diet. You're dead or you're almost dead or you want to grow. Number one, have a steady diet. But make sure you're eating the right stuff, not just junk food. I know ho-hos are awesome. I'm a big fan of ding-dongs. But it's not Brussels sprouts, not celery, it's not broccoli, Right? A child only wants sweets, candy. People that are grown and mature say, Pastor, give me the meat. Give me the meat. So this idea, uh, can I get on a little hobby horse just for a second? This is so not good. It's quarter after 11 already. This is what I mean. Pastor, you're not a big movie fan. I know I'm not a big, big movie fan. Oh, Pastor, there's this new series out called Chosen. You need to watch that. I'm like, no, I don't think so. So I watched, because of peer pressure, I watched, how many episodes did I watch? I think we watched like two or three. Two or three? Ivan. Yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, Ivan was here. Ivan was here. Pastor, Eric, you got to watch those. So I sat and watched a couple episodes with Ivan. And I watched it and I thought to myself, well, that's not biblical. And, I, and I, I filtered what I was seeing through this. I thought, that was wrong. That's not right. That's not what she said. That's not where she went. 
I don't ever see a dove flying over the Sea of Galilee to bring Mary Magdalene to her senses so he doesn't commit suicide by jumping off the cliff. I never saw that in here. So I'm not saying chosen is demonic. It's the Antichrist. You should never watch it. I'm saying guard your mouth, guard your eyes, guard your ears. And if it doesn't line up with this, it just doesn't belong in your heart or your spirit. The problem with American society and society at large is we get our history anymore from watching television. You watch the movie Dunkirk and you think you're an expert on World War II. A movie which I've not watched, but you, you probably think you might be, Right? So likewise, in the spirit realm, you must eat a steady diet of good, healthy Bible. Amen? Amen. All right, I got to go. I got to go. Number two, you got to start doing the word, right? James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's why you don't go to a financial advisor who lives in a cardboard box. You don't go and get to the gym and get trained by a guy that's 450 pounds, got chicken, chicken wing grease hanging out of the corner of his mouth, right? Right? You don't go learn Spanish from somebody that only speaks Portuguese. You don't take cooking lessons from somebody that know how to boil an egg. You want people that know how to do it. The world is looking at the church and saying, how come these people don't do what it says? Comes back to core values. I mean, we claim the Bible is full of transformative truth, yet a lot of Christians' lives aren't transformed. We say Jesus is the way, yet we wander off down another path. We talk about peace, but we're always worrying and in fear We tell others that Jesus can set them free, but we remain in our bondage. Yeah, we've got to be hearers, number one. Get a good, healthy diet of the word, and then be doers. I said, Joey, we got any rubber bands at the church? He goes, yeah, we got a whole bag of them. I said, awesome. They're not doing anything. They're not doing what they're designed to do. Until they're put to the test and stretched a little bit, they're useless. A lot of Christians should just be in a Ziploc baggie like this. (laughs) They're just stretched and useless, a pile. Lord says grow. You may even know the scripture, but if you don't do it, all you are is potential energy. Not being stretched. Well, I'm afraid to step out. I already told you, fear is not an acceptable excuse. You can tweet it, I did. Fear is an unacceptable excuse when you stand before the Lord. You know the speed limit on the side of the road? There's one right behind it. It says excuse limit, zero. Number one, develop a healthy diet. Number two, start doing the word. Number three, if you're dying, you got to allow the word to correct you. This is where it gets a little, gets a little inky, gets a little muddled because 2 Timothy 4 says, in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, this is very serious, and in view of his appearing, very serious, and his kingdom, very serious, I'm going to give you this charge to us preachers. Preach the word, okay, and be prepared. I can do that. When? All the time, in season and out of season. For what purpose? Three things. Number one, to correct, to rebuke, and to encourage. Oh, we all like encouragement. Pastor, you just need to encourage us more. Well, two-thirds of this is correcting and rebuking. Only one-third is encouraging. 
So say this with me. Encourage me, pastor. Try this one. Correct me, pastor. All right, here we go. Say this one. Rebuke me, pastor. Ooh, Jesus, help us all. After I correct or rebuke someone in as, in as loving manner as I can, it's amazing that the next week they find that the Lord is leading them to another church. Really? No, when I get corrected, which I get corrected, when I get corrected, I'm like, oh, okay. See, you'll know when someone corrects you if your first response is, or really? That's how you saw that? Man, I, I. So you receive the correction rather than get defensive. If you become defensive, that's a telltale sign. You're not open to it, right? But you come and correct me. You say, Pastor, I don't think blah, 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 blah. If I come back at you, or I say, really? I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to be perceived like that. I didn't mean it like that. Or I tell you where I'm at, and then we can have a conversation. We must be willing to be corrected. We must be willing to be rebuked. And listen, that is so foreign in our culture because I'm just, I'm going to get all mad at you and I'm just going to go to my place of comfort, to my little safety, to my little, what do you call that little safety zone where you can go to on the college campuses nowadays where no one's going to, no one's going to say, my what? My little safe space. Thank you. Ecclesiastes tells us this. It is better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the songs of the fool. So do you want to grow up? Okay. Do you want to grow up? Do you want to grow up? Then plant yourself in a local fellowship, get some little thicker skin, and learn to grow up. Right? Okay. All right. So here we go. Develop a healthy diet, a good steady diet. Number two, start doing the word. Number three, allow the word to correct you. And number four, finally, it says my heart rate's 80. It can't even be true. It's not even on me. I have no idea. I'm sorry, Nick. I can't even read this. The numbers are so small. All right, we're doing good then. Number four, permit trusted believers to speak into your life. Remember at the beginning we said not just information, but practical wisdom. We're not, you want to study to learn, but learnedness unapplied is foolishness, right? So we have to learn, we have to read the word, we have to know the word, we have got to get these things in us. But if we don't get it out of us, we're just getting information and not wisdom. So we need to trust some people. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to the advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. All right, so if I could get some advice from somebody on the long list of people of potential advice givers, I think Moses would be a great person to get some advice from. He is a leader. He was a leader of leaders. Three, five million people through the Red Sea, right? All of that craziness and water from a rock and manna and quail and all the Bible stories that go with Moses, I think I'd like to spend mm, a couple thousand years just talking to him in eternity so I can get some other... But you know what? Moses, trying to organize those millions of people, was wearing himself out trying to meet with everybody, take care of problems and issues and circumstances, what's going on here, I don't know, whether this problem and that problem in the camp and this problem in the camp. And, and Moses' father-in-law, his name was Jethro, was watching at a distance and he saw, this kid's going to wear himself out. 
his father-in-law, goes to Moses, Jethro goes to Moses and says this. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now to me and I'll give you some advice. This is in Exodus 18, 19. Who do you think you are? I'm Moses. Marauder, Moses, the Red Sea. I just did all that. Who do you think you are, Jethro? Coming and telling me I can't handle a few squirm. Telling me I can't do this. That I need to listen to my father-in-law, Ryan. Listen to my father-in-law, <laughs> right? I'm his father-in-law if you don't know that. So, so, so who do you think you are, Mr. Father-in-law? This, I mean, could this have been Moses' disposition? He could have been that way. I mean, Moses for crying out loud, right? But he didn't. He didn't say that. He listened to the advice. He says, listen, it's, it's, t- it's, touch, it's tough on you. Teach, get, get a group of people, put leaders over them, so thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Verse 22, have them serve as your judges so you don't get worn out. Verse 23, if you do this, God commands, blah, blah, blah. Verse 24, Moses listened and did. What are we talking about? Taking correction, taking wisdom from other people's lives that maybe are just a couple years further down the road than you and maybe have been through your circumstance and you think you're all that and a bag of chips and you brought the, bought the t-shirt and all that kind of stuff. Listen, none of us is the top of the pyramid where, where wisdom is concerned. There are people in your life right now that have so much wisdom. In fact, I was talking to Sandy uh, before church started today and, and the book lending thing and she's a school teacher. It's awesome. And talking about libraries and we just saw, and I think Lexi saw it too. You may have seen it. Libraries are now beginning to bring people in with life's experience and lining them up like 10 wide and saying, come schedule a 30-minute appointment or whatever with this person and find out something about life. That's kind of cool. I'd like to go in and talk to somebody that's a few years down the road than me. Don't you wish you had the financial wisdom today that somebody should have given you 30 years ago, right? Because PS 186, Springfield High School probably didn't even teach you how to balance a checkbook teach you simple interest, things like that. So you got to get some wisdom. There are sources of wisdom all around you. Here at the church, of course, we have our apostolic team. David and Nora, Hannah, John King, Steve Nordyke, our deacons, Ashley, Bill, Kathy, Chuck, and Nick. We got our growth track teachers. Their growth track is in uh, uh, Firestarters right now. You just went out with Firestarters last week, Levi. Your connect group leaders, Here's the point. Here's the point. When someone comes and brings you this wisdom, seek wisdom, not just knowledge. Because we can all Google what I should do, but how about having some wisdom? Proverbs 19, 20, we'll wrap with this. Listen to the advice, accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Do you know what the number one cause of death in America is? Don't you dare say COVID. <laughs> no, you know what it is? You know what it is? Heart disease. Okay, that's in the natural. That's in the natural. One in four people who die, who's in the paper today, their obituary, one in four died of heart disease. 25%. 
That's like three quarters of a million people a year dying of heart disease. Well, that's in the natural. In the spiritual, what's happened? Your heart. This has always been a heart thing. It's not about what's going on between your ears. It's not about information. It's about revelation, right? We can all know about Jesus, but until that makes the 18-inch journey to your heart, you're never transformed. And even when you do get transformed, your life isn't perfect and full of ice creams and rainbows and unicorns, right? We still have issues. We still have problems, and we need help getting through that. So don't die. Read the word. Get a steady diet of good stuff. Be around people that are wise and can speak into you. Don't be afraid of a correction or a rebuke. You should go, man, I needed to know that. Right? Okay. I hope I did justice to that at some level. Um, it's just important for us. This is a core value for us, not to let your heart grow cold, keeping your spiritual eyes open, developing a healthy diet. So stand with me today. And uh, hey, Ryan, would you come up here? I'm going to have you close in prayer today. I just feel like maybe you've got something to add to this or not. But I'm going to get you a microphone. I'm excited for what the Lord's doing. Very excited. And we're going to continue in this series next week. So let's just uh, hear what the Lord has for us this morning. Thank you, Father. Yes, God, we thank you for uh, the work that you are doing in our hearts, God. Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing in our minds, Jesus, that this that this message would would hit would hit our mind and that we'd think about it, that it'd be the food for our thought today, and that as we think about it, that it would make that journey down to our heart, and that our heart would receive this and apply it to our lives, Father. That we'd be strong Christians, that we'd be strong believers, and that as we grow and as we move forward with one another, that we could sharpen each other, and that we could be healthy with one another, that our souls be, could become uh, whole and strong once again. Thank you. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for the work you're doing in our lives, God. Amen. Amen. I just want to um, stay here just one, one second longer because the, the, the point of action that we need to take is a commitment to grow. So you say, I'm already growing. Great. Keep growing. But just as the fall begins to encroach on the summer, leaves get dry and grasses don't need mowed as often. And my prayer for you is you, your life would be an eternal spring and summer of growth in the spirit. There'd be no winters. And so if you've sensed a cooling of your heart, a lack and seen into the spirit realm, a stiffness in your bones, then this moment right here is for you to say, Jesus, I am so back in it to win it. I'm, I'm locking down tight with you today. I want the baptism of the fire, just the fire. Light me on fire again. If you've never been in that circumstance, maybe you pray this prayer. Father, today I surrender my life. Right here now. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know this. You hold the future. I don't know what the future holds, but you hold the future.
And so I'm tired of listening to myself and I'm going to start talking to myself about the power of your word, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus alive in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand with me. Father, we commit our lives to you today that you would transform us. Not just scratch the surface, but go deep in our hearts and make an eternal change that we might be doers of the word. And now may the Lord bless you truly bless you and may he keep you say guard your heart guard your mind and give you peace in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen as we conclude this podcast we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening if you enjoyed this message please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.